you have the chance to win a Spring Super Sweeps from LAist. Donate $60 for one entry to win a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Check out all the other prizes too when you donate now at LAist.com sweeps. I'm Tracy Thomas, host of One for the Books, a live literary event series from LAist. We are back with guests, author Amanda Montel and actor Bella Lavelle. You can find us on May 15th at the Crawford Family Forum. Tickets at LAist.com events. It's Air Talk on LAS 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle. Coming up next hour, we'll look at LA Mayor Karen Bass's tenure one year into her term and the commitments that she made to reduce uh, visible homelessness in the city of Los Angeles. We'll take a look at what numbers our LAS research and reporting team has been able to put together to track how the mayor has done on those commitments. That's coming up next hour here on LAist 89.3. We continue on air talk with our Monday Southern California history segment. Today, our focus is on Jewish migration and immigration to California. And I would love to hear from you if you're someone who grew up in a Jewish community in Southern California, or you have your parents did and they've shared with you a lot of stories of what the community, the neighborhood was like. I'd love to hear that color, that that vibrancy, that sense of place of what historic Jewish communities were like here, and also the challenge in getting to Southern California for some families, uh, some at, uh, at great risk and tremendous challenge financially and otherwise to arrive in Southern California. We're at 866-893-5722. That's 866-893-5722. You can also email us at atcomments at las.com. Please include your location and first name. Let's go back to the earliest Jewish migration to the state of California. Joining us is Jonathan Friedman, who's director of the Jewish Museum of the American West. It's an online museum, and uh, it's dedicated to showing the important role and the accomplishments of American Jews who came and helped settle the West. Jonathan, thank you very much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. So what what's what is the documentation that we have of the earliest Jewish settlers to California? Well, that's a great question. Um, so as you mentioned, the museum, the Jewish Museum of the American West uh, does examine in quite uh, great detail these migrations really through individual family stories and um, institutions that Jewish pioneers would settle in the Western region, specific to California, uh, by 1860 or so, about 10,000 Jews came to California, mainly from uh, Europe directly or uh, the East Coast less so. And uh, most of them settled in Northern California. You can imagine the gold rush energy and all of that. So San Francisco and the, the gold country specifically. And really only a handful would filter south to um, what was then the emerging very small town of Los Angeles. The 1850 census uh, done pretty shortly after the statehood of California listed only eight recognizably Jewish names among the uh, residents of Los Angeles. And 
they kind of follow uh, general trends that we see with those who came west. Seven of them were merchants. One of them was a tailor. Um, six came from German lands, one from Poland, uh, and one down from Portland, Oregon. You know, there's there's uh, what's said about the gold rush in San Francisco and and in the motherload uh, territory of California that where the real money was made was in the selling of supplies to those engaged in mining and and so I was I was wondering uh, I'm thinking of like Levi Strauss and are were were many of the jobs that were held by Jews here in California in um, in in stores in in merchants uh, business outfitting miners things like that in addition to mining themselves. Yeah, so there weren't a lot of Jewish miners per se. There's kind of an old expression, a little bit insensitive perhaps, which is that the miners mine the mines and the Jews mine the miners. But, you know, there is something to be said for um, bringing kind of that peddler background and the ability to um, function as merchants, traders um, in that capacity uh, certainly finding opportunities up in the gold country, San Francisco, uh, to supply and to establish uh, nascent banks and other uh, sort of supportive industries. Um, again, not a lot of Jews involved in mining. There were some, but mainly there was opportunity like the Levi Strausses of the world to give the miners what they needed and to provide essential services. And Sometimes they're forgotten, by the way, in, in the history of the West, because we look at cowboys and miners and these sort of rugged pioneers, but these peddlers and merchants were just as rugged. They just weren't necessarily doing the romantic work. Yeah, and sometimes they weren't in large cities, but out in the middle of nowhere also. Uh, I've, and I was just I was wondering, was it the appeal of commerce that brought Jewish migrants from the East Coast and immigrants from Europe to California, was it that they saw economic opportunity? Was it essentially the same thing brought everybody else here? Yeah, I would say so. And I think when we look throughout history, all cultures, all regions, you know, economics is the primary driver for migration and immigration. Uh, this particular group um, predominantly came from Central Europe. Uh, there weren't a lot of opportunities there. Uh, they were in something of a economic downturn or depression. Uh, and they came with skills and, uh, for, but I, I should say for the most part, came with skills and um, sort of connections that allowed them to establish uh, stores and uh, trading posts and that sort of thing. So certainly the economics of it. And I, I should say too, in terms of the Jewish cultural aspect, those who came Generally speaking, in the early days, the pioneer period, what we sort of define loosely as the mid-19th century to the early 20th century, uh, they tended to be a little bit less religiously observant than those who would stay in more urban, uh, concentrated areas where you would have kosher food and synagogues and things of that nature. So they were um, pioneers in that sense as well, kind of going off on their own, uh, only after there was a critical mass of Jews in any particular area, were there any institutions that would support Jewish life? So they had to negotiate their lifestyles to adapt to the, the West as well. And really those who came West were a little less um, 
I guess, orthodox, you might say, yeah. to begin with. We're talking with Jonathan Friedman, director of the Jewish Museum of the American West, which is an online museum. Also with us, uh, the uh, previously chief curator of Mapping Jewish L.A., a project of the UCLA Levy Center for Jewish Studies, Caroline Luce. She also is project director at the UCLA Labor Center. Caroline, thank you very much. Good to have you with us today. Thanks so much, Larry. So share with us, um, we heard from Jonathan about um, just a handful of of Jews who were here in the middle of the 19th century in Southern California. When did we start seeing significant numbers of Jews arrive in in the greater Los Angeles area? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I'd say the Jewish community in L.A. remained relatively small compared to that of eastern capitals. Um, But as Jonathan alluded to, that was in part because L.A. was a pretty small town. Um, The population reached about 100,000 at the turn of the 20th century, and about 2,500 of those were Jewish. Um, I write about the Eastern European diaspora, uh, which started arriving right around the turn of the century and sort of gradually grew Um, By 1920, there were about 20,000 Jews of Eastern European descent in L.A. Um, The other diaspora that I will add here that's worth mentioning is the Sephardic diaspora. These were mostly Jews from Ottoman lands, um, North Africa, and particularly uh, Turkey, what is present-day Turkey, um, particularly a little island called Rhodes. We have actually a historic Rhodesley community in Los Angeles. Um, so those diasporas sort of gradually trickle in, um, mostly having stopped somewhere else on the way, often multiple places along the way. Um, the real explosion of the Jewish community doesn't come until the post-war era, post-World War II. Um, and in the post-war years, the community just almost doubles every year. So wow. it tops at 100,000 at the end of the war, reaches 200, 200,000-ish by 1950. 400,000 by 1960 and onward and upward. Um, And LA today is uh, still a very active immigrant Jewish community, I will say. Um, There's anywhere from 80 to 100,000 Israelis in Los Angeles. There are 25,000 Jews from Soviet lands, um, often known as refuseniks. Um, There's about 80,000 Persian Jews in LA and something like 10 to 15,000 Moroccan Jews in LA. So I live in Pico Robertson. That's one of my favorite parts of my neighborhood. It's a very dynamic, um, active immigrant community to this very day. And is Los Um, Angeles still the third largest Jewish community in the world? Yes, I believe that's right. Uh, Bigger than many cities in Israel. So um, it's a really significant uh, community. uh, pretty sizable, and as I say, sort of very dynamic and multi-ethnic, even within the Jewish population. We'll continue with Caroline Luce, who was the chief curator of Mapping Jewish L.A., a project of the UCLA Levy Center for Jewish Studies, and Jonathan Friedman, director of the Jewish Museum of the American World. If you have questions or you want to share something about life in a Jewish community here in Southern California, we're at 866-893-5722. We'll be back in one minute. It's Air Talk on LAS 89.3. I'm Larry Mantle. It's our weekly Southern California history segment. Today, we're talking about 
The History of Jewish Southern California with Jonathan Friedman, director of the Jewish Museum of the American West, and Caroline Luce, who was the chief curator of Mapping Jewish L.A., a project of the UCLA Levy Center for Jewish Studies. Caroline, let's let's talk about the post-war boom when you're talking about the population doubling year after year. Uh, how does Boyle Heights become really the the point of entry for Jews to Southern California in large numbers. Yeah, um, Boyle Heights' history predates World War II, I will say. Um, Jews began settling there. The earliest I have found um, is actually in the late 19th century. Oh, wow. um, there were a couple of real estate promoters who uh, advertised in the B'nai B'rith Messenger, which was then the city's Jewish newspaper. Um, it really starts to sort of swell um, in the first few decades of the early 20th century. Um, that's often attributed to a discriminatory real estate practice that prevailed in Los Angeles, uh, really right around the time of World War I, the practice took off, which were known as racially restrictive covenants. These were small clauses written into mortgages that prohibited landowners from selling or renting their land to persons who are quote, not of the Caucasian race is usually the language used. Um, now, I will say there is some debate among scholars about whether those covenants were applied to Jews. Um, there's an extensive record of covenants being used to discriminate against Mexican-American and African-American families. Um, but certainly for a historically marginalized community, even the whiff of discrimination would have been enough to prevent um, those Eastern European Jews from settling in areas that were governed by a covenant. Boyle yeah. Heights was one of the handful of neighborhoods that wasn't, and so many of the newly arriving Eastern European Jews settled there. So in Boyle Heights, you have Jewish schools, you have um, you have businesses that are catering to um, the palates of people who've arrived from Eastern Europe. Is that right? And and of course, houses of worship. Yes, uh, there were something like 30 uh, synagogues and Stiebla, which is just a small Hasidic synagogue in the neighborhood, um, Yiddish signage. I, I wrote my dissertation about Jewish bakers. There were at least two dozen Jewish bakeries in the neighborhood. Uh, but I will say uh, Jews never comprised a demographic majority of the neighborhood. They were the largest diasporic group there, um, but not a majority, uh, which uh, meant that Boyle Heights was actually one of the most diverse neighborhoods in Los Angeles at the time. It's often referred to as Los Angeles's Ellis Island, um, a receiver of immigrants uh, from all over the world. Um, in my own research, I've surfaced 56 different countries of origin living in just a small section of the neighborhood. Wow. Uh, so once again, an incredibly dynamic and diverse community um, where Jews, uh, many Jews called home. I, One of the old documents I use in my research alleges that if you were on a westbound train to California and you asked a Yiddish-speaking Jew where they were going, they would say Boyle Heights. Uh, uh, so it developed quite a reputation. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it sort of reminds me of Monterey Park with immigrants from from China and all the ads that it sort of became the place and and that's mm -hmm. what you know as 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 the place to relocate when you come to the region. Now then there's the western migration that happens and uh, as people start heading toward the Fairfax district, the West Los Angeles area, later to the San Fernando Valley, is that driven by the court ruling that, that did away with the covenant at least the overt covenants on housing? 
I, I think that's part of it. Um, it's also part of a general trend of upward mobility among American Jews, not just in Los Angeles, but across the country. Uh, part of that is facilitated by the new labor protections of the New Deal. Uh, so the Wagner Act, which established workers' rights to collectively bargain, um, that meant that workers had job security um, and improved wages, and so they could plan their financial futures, right? Maybe buy that house that you couldn't afford a few years earlier. Um, the GI Bill certainly factors in here. Um, the GI Bill gave veterans of World War II access to low-interest mortgages, low-interest uh, small business loans, um, and affordable college education. Um, that, of course, facilitates upward mobility. Um, and so you do see, um, uh, particularly in the years after World War II, uh, a kind of dispersal of the Jewish population. I'm really glad you mentioned the Valley. Um, that's certainly a receiver um, of a lot of these new arrivals. Um, and in that way, they were moving into mostly white middle-class suburbs um, and away from the kind of diverse urban neighborhoods um, like Boyle Heights that they had settled in in the early 20th century. And this is really true across the country. Uh, there's a real suburbanization happening in the post-war years. In uh, my early years, um, early elementary, kindergarten, uh, we lived in what's now called Baldwin Village. It was called the jungle when we mm -hmm. lived there mm -hmm. off La Brea. And I would say half of our neighbors were Jewish. My my friends in the building were Jewish kids. And, and, and then they started moving to the valley. It's like one after the other. Oh, you know, we're moving to Van Nuys. We're moving to Encino. We're mo and and it's so interesting to to see that sort of that migration as I was a kid, and to see that occurring in in that time. Uh, we have a question from our apprentice Tamar. Uh, she'd love to hear how the Fairfax area has shifted over the last few decades. Mid City, she says, still has a strong Jewish community, but all that's left on Fairfax is can't. Delhi uh, and a mural. Um, Caroline, you want to weigh in on that? Yeah, um, I'm very sorry to hear that uh, Diamond Bakery, which was one of my favorites on Fairfax, closed recently. Um, you know, this is kind of an interesting story. Uh, my colleague Max Baumgarten has uh, done a whole exhibit on mapping Jewish LA about Fairfax for your caller in case they want to check that out. Um, but, you know, Fairfax has sort of been in, in perpetual states of decline, if that makes sense. Um, you know, many folks who went to Fairfax High in the 50s would tell you it was 85% Jewish. Um, I, I don't know that from my own experience, but I can believe it. Um, it certainly had a, a rich um, Jewish life. Um, I think a lot of what you're seeing in Fairfax is just general gentrification. Um, there was actually a campaign to, quote, save Fairfax in the 90s um, as development started to displace some folks from, you know, those. there's a lot of sort of modest family homes in the district that had been um, subject to redevelopment. Um, so Fairfax today is this very trendy, very hip place. Um, and uh, I am not entirely convinced that there aren't a lot of uh, American Jews among those young hip folks in the neighborhood. Um, but generally, yeah. I think it's a story that a lot of our historic LA uh, communities are facing, which is this wave of gentrification, rising housing prices um, that are pushing out a lot of longtime residents and making it very difficult for younger generations who want to stay in their neighborhoods to stay there just because there isn't affordable housing for them. 
Well, and we, we've unfortunately run out of time too soon. We didn't even get to the film industry here in mm-hmm. Southern California, which, of course, um, the wonderful book by Neil Gabler, An Empire of Their Own, How the Jews Invented Hollywood, really is a local Southern California story about how the mm-hmm. early film moguls were immigrants who were Jewish and who built these studios. And, of course, many of the employees were Jewish. Uh, the whole industry with uh, incalculable contributions from from Southern California Jews to the entertainment industry. Much of that, as we talked earlier, because of restrictions um, that existed, of course, in the kinds of jobs that Jews were allowed to do, just as there were housing restrictions that were involved with, with early settlement here in Southern California. I want to thank our guests. Terrific work at laying out this fascinating history. Caroline Luce of Mapping Jewish L.A., Jonathan Friedman of the Jewish Museum of the American West. Thank you so much for being with us on our Southern California History segment today. Much more to come in Hour 2. The LAS Spring Super Sweeps is happening now. You can win amazing prizes while supporting your source for local fact-based journalism. One lucky grand prize winner will get to choose a brand new Lexus or $25,000 in cash. Other prizes include an electric bike from Juice Bikes and $1,000 gas gift cards. Your donation of $60 gets you one entry to win. And the more you give, the more entries you get. Donate now at LAS.com sweeps.